Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade, who just realized I did not check the level, so hopefully as we all talk, we come in fine. Am, am I coming in fine, Wade? You are. All right, good. How about me? I didn't ask you. Well, <laughs> I was just volunteering. Okay, it looks like we are all coming in well, so that is good. I am here in the podcast studio. Um, we're doing something we haven't done in a very long time, and that's recording. We did record a winging it uh couple months ago um, but I did not produce it yet so we might have Lord willing three things that come out because we're hoping to do two episodes today um, I've been down here at school each day um, I have J term 815 and 1215 um, Michael you also have, have had J term uh, the same times uh, and, uh, and Jason you drove down um, Michael how would you describe what I'm wearing uh, you are very sophisticated, I'll stand up and you have gray slacks on, new gray Which slacks on. Which you inspired, on. by the way. I've been, yeah, I've yeah. been rocking this. When I, feel, when I feel liberal, I wear gray slacks, you yeah. know, like casual Friday. <laughs> and I always feel liberal. And then you you have a very nice uh, clean-pressed uh, clergy shirt with collar, round collar. Thank you. And then you have I actually a... actually wash the collar, too. Yeah. And then you have a... I believe it's maybe called a cardigan. I don't know if it's a cardigan, but it's a button-up sweater type thing, black, and uh, has like a little kind of a collar thing to it. Yeah. It's very nice. Thank you. Very nice. And Michael, you also look lovely. Thank you. Um, Mike is dressed in his clericals. I believe you have a black pantalones today. Is that true? Black pants today. Okay. All and, black. Uh, and um, is supporting actually as well a very um, important organization that cares for people, the Lutheran Home Association, with a nice fleece zip up um, for warmth because it is a little it bit cold. cold here. It's cold. I have, I have students bring blankets to class in J-term. Literally blankets. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I would say it looks like in the not-too-distant past, you got faded up a bit. Yeah. Um, yep. And the, uh, yep. the hair is looking nice. I also, I went to, uh, I didn't go to Pepito, but I went to the old man, and uh, I thought he did a good job. Yeah. It's looking fuller up yeah. here. The I, think you should, I think you need a beard trim, though. If I if I had one See, compli- I did this last time you said compli- this though and then I think you if you keep going down straight It's because the collar in that pushes the beard out. Well, I think that you can I, I'm just you look very nice, but if I had any criticism that would be it. Okay. I'll accept that. Okay. Um Jason looks like he's not had a haircut recently, is that fair to say? Oh I had I had one, but it was before Christmas. Not faded. It was faded. Yeah, but it's not faded now. No, no, it's And I thought in. we were all kind of getting faded in the theology department. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I'll probably have it before then, I come back for second And then Jason's stuff. wearing an outfit that I don't know that I've ever seen on this floor before. <laughs> ever. Um, definitely not something I would wear. <laughs> no. Um, blue jeans. Uh, what kind of jeans are those, Jason, if you don't mind me asking? I think Axis. Oh, that sounds fancy. I've never heard of that before. Uh, I, and then a, a, a gray hoodie. Yeah. It looked like you just shoveled snow. Well, we did have some snow up north okay. in the Fox Cities. So, but Jason was nice enough to, to drive down. Um, I suppose you had to drive down and teach as well. I did not teach today. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm giving Jason a hard time. Jason uh, <laughs> has had stuff to work on during break. I'll, I'll be honest. He's, right, he's got school stuff. He's, at some point, you guys got to buy a house down here. Yeah. So yeah. Jason was kind enough um, to drive down to record with us today. Um, even if the fit is kind of casual. Right. Yeah, it is casual. I, I didn't realize that uh, the bar was set so high during J-Term. I would say this J-Term has been the most consistently dressed up I've been. 
yeah. in a long time. These students uh, who have not had me before are going to think uh, that I'm a very professional person. Yeah. No. Um, even my, my mask was black and matched my, <laughs> my outfit. White on the inside, like my clerical collar. Huh. Yeah. Um, so we're recording. We haven't done that in a long time. Um, and really, no one seems to have cared. I'm just joking. Mike, you said some people. I mean, had some people that. And I had a few people ask. Um, but, uh, but not a lot of people have cared, I don't think. So that's always encouraging. Um, but we are getting back to recording, um, hopefully a few times during this, this J-term section, this January term, these intensive classes. Uh, Mike, what class are you teaching? Uh, the Theology of Christian Worship. And I will say, Mike has had, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this in a joking manner, um, some very good uh, um, stuff drawn on the whiteboard and PowerPoint slides. Uh, I've interrupted his class and walked in and discussed them. Um, even <laughs> I found them intriguing enough. Um, so that class seems to be going well. They seem engaged. And I am teaching Pauline Epistles. Uh, it's going pretty well. You know what I did today? What'd you do? Oh, I think very pedagogically uh, appropriate, right? And uh, so we're going to do one episode that kind of hits on each class, and today's is going to be um, Galatians five as a kind of model for ministry. Um, so for pastoral ministry, but I also think just vocationally, maybe Galatians five is a, a model for uh, Christian relationships or for parenting and, and, and all uh, sorts of things. Uh, teaching if you have students um, but especially in our context as three people who have been preachers and are still at, we're preachers we just don't have parish calls um, I think a, a helpful uh, chapter or text to consider uh, which reminds me you know what I left in the friendship rectangle which no one knows what that is but us which is our special thing but, uh, that I meant to bring up here that would help for talking about Galatians 5? The Bible. Oh. But you know what I also notice I don't see you guys having? I got it right here. Right here. What you got on your computer? Yeah. And on my phone. Okay, I guess I'll do that too. Um, I mean, I'll probably go grab the Greek though. I'll just so I have. Uh, but we'll be t- talking about this chapter in Galatians where Paul is going to transition um, from largely doctrinal content uh, to the Christian life. And lots of times people will latch on to uh, this section because Paul lists good works and bad works. Nice, Jason. He has the Greek on his phone. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people, I, this is a, I, I'm always tempted to say, can I see your Bible? And then to flip through and see what people underline. And I'm guessing most of us, if we're honest, a lot of the verses that have been underlined or highlighted are probably do this, don't do that verses, like life advice verses. Um, but Paul does it in a way in, in Galatians 5 that's not... Or what what memes are you uh, spreading around, right? Memes? That, w- that would be a good I would way. say probably like the under- alt-right. Yes, <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> the underlining of the, the modern underlining of the, pa- of, the, of the Bible would be what memes, what quotes from Jesus are you spreading around yeah. online? I mean, you get a lot of my memes in Telegram, Michael, and I would say they're, they're probably problematic, yeah? Yeah, most of them. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but not alt-right. I would be the opposite of that, yeah. probably, a lot of what I share. Yeah. And you've never sent me any kind of... Uh, Jesus self help. Jesus oh, self help yeah. kind of meme, right? Right. Unless it would be into in jest, right? Um, 
And then we're going to have a free-for-all that I've not shared with Jason or Michael, and so we'll see how that goes. We thank you for listening. If you do listen to this, you're still out there, and, and we get a download from you and we get a listen. Uh, we thank you for sticking with us, even though it's hard for us sometimes to to crank these out every week, and we pray that you will enjoy this. We are a part of the 1517 Podcast Network. You can check out stuff at 1517.org. I have been just uh, cranking out the 1517 devotion, so I've had a number that have have been up recently, and I thank them for putting those out there. Um, but uh, Michael has written for them. I'm guessing sometime we're going to sucker Jason into. Um, so you can check out. They've got devotions, like free academy stuff, podcasts, um, you name it, books, um, a number of things. So 1517.org. Um, in the meanwhile, which of you wants to read the disclaimer? It's right there. This show doesn't speak for our churches or church bodies or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss the pressing issues of the day. We're going to keep this going too long because our intro went nine and a half minutes, which is a little long, uh, although I think it was a solid content. Um, so the free-for-all I'll toss out for you guys. We just had yesterday, um, January 6th, what church festival? The storming of the Capitol <laughs> festival. I was hoping one of you would say Insurrection Sunday. The Insurrection, insurrection. Sunday, yeah. 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 But more seriously, I preached last night, and that was my opening line. That today is yeah, January sixth, and, and I wanted and to go for epiphany service at Nain or McGonagall, and I couldn't because, guess what, my um, just not God fearing daughter had volleyball. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I said that uh, this is a day that will live on in infamy for a little bit, unfortunately, and it's tragedy because January sixth actually was a very important date in the history of the church and. And then I said, if we're here long enough, that this stuff will fade away. But there will always still be people celebrating January 6th and December 25th and all the rest. So I like that. I wish I could have heard that in person. Yeah. Did I so, just anyway, kind of, am I? Okay, now I'm you're good. So, uh, yes, the epiphany of our Lord, which um, the manifestation of God in the flesh for us, but then also has been historically connected to the visit of the Magi. So it becomes, becomes known as the... Gentile Christmas, in a way, right? Yeah, so we just had, and we should talk about Epiphany at some point, but we just had um, Epiphany. And I, so you, the two things I'm saying you can't say, you can't pick Epiphany or Transfiguration, because those are the obvious choices. So, and I think both are coming back as having kind of standalone services. It's becoming more common. What day of the church here, so that doesn't always fall on a Sunday, um, would you personally, so a major or minor festival, probably minor festival, I guess, um, that you would like to see 
observe where you have a service and you make a bigger deal out of it. You, you mean Epiphany and Ascension? Epiphany and Ascension, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yes, that yep, was not thinking straight. No, it was a good question. So does anything come to mind off the top of your head? I got a couple. Um, uh, this is going to sound dark, but... Uh, and this, you can't say Friendship Sunday either. This, <laughs> I always like the Sundays that are based on either virtues or sin. You know, like Life Sunday or whatever. That that always leads to a non-law, gospel-oriented... Okay, let's get out of our okay, system. Right, let's right, list off all right, the ones that you think right, are kind of hokey. Okay. I'll lead with Friendship Sunday. <laughs> and know that Jason probably did all of these, so don't be offended, Jason. Life Sunday. Education Sunday. Stewardship, Stewardship Sunday. Sunday. Can we just throw out there anything around July 4th? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, what would be other ones that they get tossed? Yeah, uh, we're not going to go down. Walking there. together Sunday. Walking together mm-hmm. Sunday. There you go. Apologies uh, to. Yeah. Whatever. I wonder, does Missouri do that too? Something I like don't that. Know. A blaze Sunday. That'd probably be more <laughs> of a. I don't know. Anyway, um, you ready for my choice? Yeah. Okay. Um, I I would pick. And don't say Thanksgiving. <laughs> no. Um, I would. I would. Th- this wouldn't work, but I I would. Because of the the time it falls in the church year, but uh, slaughter of the holy innocents. I was thinking about that one. And uh, I would say, can you explain first what that is for someone? Yeah. Else? So, uh, in remembrance of the Bethlehem boys that um, gave up their life for the cause, right? Not by their choice. I think there's uh, when when King Herod comes through, and I think there's you know there's uh, there's obvious. I don't want to make it too over the top but there's connections to abortion there right there's connection to just the just the utter depravity of our world you have the whole idea of king of the jews and how herod gets the title king of the jews from the romans he's not tetrarch he's not governor you know <laughs> and and his jealousy there i mean there's just so much so much to go from the from the law side but then also um just just to think about martyrdom um you know are these the first martyrs right mm-hmm. is john the baptist first martyr is stephen the first martyr um the whole idea of jesus going down to egypt like israel went down to egypt and then comes out but he comes out as the true and perfect israel who goes out into the wilderness um the same wilderness later on not for 40 years but for 40 days and is perfect while israel was not so jesus is our righteous I and mean, there's a lot of things that you could go with that my other one would be June 25th, presentation of the Augsburg Confession. One time, that was when we always did at Christ that I enjoyed. Yeah. One time it fell on like a Thursday and we would have a Thursday uh, uh, midweek service during, during summer. And so I think I, I, just for that Thursday, I preached for it. Um, I, didn't, I, I wasn't, wasn't sure if I should transfer that to a Sunday kind of thing. <laughs> but anyway, those would be my two off the top of my head. I can think of more. But go oh, ahead, Jason. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I would say we did a presentation of the Augsburg Confession when it was on the weekend. Yep. Yeah, we, always, and the, and we did that, I think, three three or four times. And that was always a neat service. Yeah. Um, I would say <clears throat> the other one that we made a point of um, celebrating, especially on the weekend, but I would consider adding a separate service for it would be St. Michael and all angels. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I think part of that was just because it's, um, there's some neat emphases there that you don't often get a chance to talk about 
um, that show up at different places um, with the angels and the like, but uh, also just kind of the historic place that the marker of the Michaelmas being the marker of the season there, mm-hmm. you know, now you're officially into fall and it's, you know, harvest and th- those type of things that, you know, I think that there's something that you miss not having that on the, the calendar more prominently, but uh, we, we did, I would always transfer it. Um, and that ended up being always the last Sunday of September, which was just about the time when the, f- the Sunday school kids were mm-hmm. ready for their first song, Yep. you know? And then, uh, I know in St. John's, the church that I help out right now, they will have the blessing of the children. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's maybe a little bit of a step for, for somebody who's not used to it, but I, I think pretty cool. And, and just when you start thinking about the pericope, boy, there's not many times you talk about angels. Right. Um, and, and it's just We're liturgical Sadducees. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, you don't really think about the great battle between St. Michael and, and the devil. And, and just that it's something, yeah. And you're only, you're starting to get end times feel mm-hmm. towards, towards that kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'll throw one out that I know we all agree on, All Saints Day. Mm. But I'm not going to count that as my main one because I think the new hymnal, if I'm not mistaken, is going to have some sort of observance, yeah, right? Maybe transfer it to the Sunday and for yeah. Sunday. I thought there was something like that. Um, yeah, I think I think that Reformation is always going to be the last Sunday of October, and I think first Sunday of November will always be All Saints. And I, I just think the communion of saints is something that the American church especially benefits from reminders oh, sure, of yeah. that the church is and remember bigger those, than us across time and across geography and and remember those who have passed away that yeah. year in the parish mm-hmm. I think is a pretty cool thing that's always a uh, a hard but also a joyous one of uh the for all the saints singing that because mm-hmm. that was a uh, at christ for funerals we'd sing the first part as we uh processed in and then the, the second part oh, as cool. we processed out. So oh, a, lot cool. of, uh, mm. a lot of people who uh Went home. That was one of those things that kind of developed out of someone just picking that rather than just the tolling of the mm-hmm. bells. And then um, our church was really good about turning out for people's funerals. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then other people just started wanting it. So it, uh, sometimes God's people can come up with that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> with good traditions. Um, I think the other one, simply because I, uh, especially just teaching Pauline epistles and going through Acts again, St. Bartholomew. Right? Yeah. Um, because I was talking about Barnabas the other day. And you think about Barnabas, we don't really talk about Barnabas much. But no one ever talks about Bartholomew. And I think that's a super fun one to do for like. That Christian service isn't just so that we have the big memorial. It's kind of the day that you, that you can celebrate all the quiet saints who just mm-hmm. like vocationally serve. Yeah. Um, and do their work, and there's not always a big thank you or a glossy magazine cover. Um, Another but it's really what keeps the world and the church going. Joseph, father of, of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, and that, I mean, that's a, a great one to talk about, you know, sacrifice and father. And, well. you know, and then gives you a chance to talk about flaying. That's true. <laughs> Which, that's I mean, true. how often do you get a chance to that's talk right. about flaying? Yeah. Like, yeah. But we don't have a lot of days of the church here that are just like, here's, you know, someone we don't know much about at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is probably going to be most of us after the Lord calls us home. Yeah. And that's okay. Can I add some other ones? Sure. Holy Cross Day. See, I'm always torn on that one. 
I think I'm I got over it, and I'm like, I think it's just, this is good. I mean, I, I yeah, I think there could be a lot of great stuff that could be used with it. Maybe it's just the baggage of coming out of Catholicism. Right. I mean, I get it. it's kind. Of, I I kind of think about it this way, like, might as well get out ahead of it. <laughs> right. As long as you don't sing. Uh, Onward, Christian soldiers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we did not sing that ever. Not when I was. That's yeah. And that one's not as popular. Like in like a ELCA uh, Lutheran hymnal. I think they they dropped that a couple. You know, we'd always sing around you know, just, Holy Cross military. days like that. Yeah. Was, uh, I don't think it's in our hymnal now, uh, or was, but uh, lift high the cross. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's another <laughs> the one. The yeah. love of Christ yeah. proclaim. Yeah, that's the, uh, the world that, that was the uh, VBS staple. Oh yeah, yeah. His yep. sacred yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know what? Also, I'm glad that I've never heard sung in Lutheranism. Um, you guys ever hear the Lord of the Dance song? <laughs> dance, dance, wherever they may be. Mm-mm. I no? am the Lord of the Dance. Said he. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've turned that in, you con- in concerts. Wherever you may be, yeah. I will lead you all. In the dance set. I think I'm getting the words right. Father John loved having do, us sing you're that not, one. You're not doing it justice, but you... I when I was a little kid, I liked it. It was very singable. I, but then I got older I've and I'm like... I've heard that at very, very many... Very, very, uh, let's say quite a few concerts, but not in church. I thought you were talking about Michael Flatley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we shouldn't go chilling with it, but any other ones? Did you have more you wanted to throw out, Michael? No, that's good. That's good. You said Holy Cross. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would be another good one. But I don't know if it's in our hymnal. I know it's in Missouri's. Uh, St. Mary Magdalene. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Do one of your kids have Magdalene or something like that as a middle name? No. Okay. Obviously, I have my Magdalene. Maybe, does Bordelin have one of his as a Magdalene? I don't know. I don't That's the one so. I'll say. What's yours middle name? Anne. Well, that's not bad. That was pretty good. Mother of Mary Anne or yeah, something Mary else. Mary. There's a family connection, but... Uh, You're connected to Mary? Not to Mary, oh, okay. but... Yeah. The uh, the mother of the mother of our Lord. Right. Yes. Was it a Luther thing too or no? For Elizabeth, that was part of the yeah. But Anne too, isn't that who he cried out to? to yeah, he did. Yeah. To be delivered from the thunderstorm. Yeah. Do your middle names have meaning for your kids, or you guys just picked ones you liked? Uh, they were uh, my sister's names, and then for Sophia, since her Greek name is Sophia Wisdom, yeah. we she is named Caris. Well, you Grace. also, because you have a Catherine, don't you? You have a middle that's name. That's my sister. Oh, no, a middle name, Catherine, for your kids. Right. That's my sister, so named Catherine. Okay, but that's Maggie is Magdalene Catherine. That's okay. what I was messing up. Yeah. Okay. So he's got um, Catherine. So we, we, the, the third child is Sophia Cara, so we could bring grace and wisdom to the Berg name any way we could. And has she done it? <laughs> Too early to tell. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm not going to give out any more names of my kids, lest anyone uh, become... <laughs> Too interested Obsessed. in them. And uh, <laughs> so we will uh, continue on into our main topic. And that brings us to our main topic. We're going to be talking Galatians 5. Just real quick as we get ready to start then. Um, not because 
we're talking about it today, but just out of curiosity, you got to pick your favorite epistle. And by this, I mean your favorite reading, but probably also the one that you go to the most, maybe like in ministering to people, like you just found yourself really finding a lot in it that you could apply to people. Um, I'm not expecting it to be any certain one, but I'm just curious. Jason, what, what would you say? I would say of the ones that I... Don't say Ephesians. People like to say Ephesians, and no one really, that's not... No. It's a good one, but Ephesians is deep. Like, no one's, that's not their go-to. Yeah, I probably, as far as, you know, I'm, as far as the ones that I would, or one that I would go to that's maybe a little bit off the beaten track a little bit, I would say it would be Peter. Okay, that's first, not a bad one. First and second Peter, maybe. Uh, first more than second, but... Uh, Michael? I I really am attracted to Hebrews. I was gonna, That was going to be my... I was going to say Galatians and Hebrews. I mean, Romans is obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, where you're going to go the most just because it's... That's St. Paul's argument. I mean, right, it's, it's, laying, it's, it's laying it out, right? And, I mean, how many times when you teach, like, Pauline epistles, you go... Like Ephesians especially. This sounds like Romans. This is, yeah. you know, yep. this go to Romans where you're going to see this spelled out instead of two sentences and two paragraphs. It's kind of like Galatians 3 and 4, go to Romans 3 and 4. Right. Um, so, but would you guys agree it's fair for me to say if we're talking for Luther, um, probably obviously Genesis, which is not an epistle, but is going to be arguably his best commentary. Um, but right up there with it... Um, he there's two sets of commentaries on Galatians, right? He returns to it later in ministry. Um, Romans is very important to Luther, and Luther says Romans is very important to him, but his commentary on Romans, I hate to say it, is not very good. It's very early. Um, it's not as pastoral yet. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not mature Luther. And I think not only does Galatians really get to the heart of the matter of law and gospel, which, of course, is the heart of the matter for Luther, but he sees himself as Paul. Mm-hmm. He sees himself as Paul yep. writing this. This is personal to him because he 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 sees himself as Paul and the Judaizers as the Papists and his German people as the the people of Galatia and and doesn't doesn't really shy away from that. Uh, yeah. So I think it's fair to say of the epistles. Another one he does really love going to though is is Hebrews as well. Um, but I think then we can. It sounds like you're agreeing with me. This is a very formative and important epistle in Luther's. Um, yes. I will say for most of Protestantism, this is probably one of the most prominent epistles as far as where appeals are made regarding the teaching of justification by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Not that every Protestant, not that every Lutheran is as solid on that as we should be, um, right? This is the, the greatest temptation is always to, to err in this most central teaching. Um, but this is just a foundational epistle. It's one of Paul's first, uh, could be perhaps his first, um, Thessalonians maybe before it. Um, he goes to Galatia as a region. Um, so he goes to Galatia on his first missionary journey. Well, this is if we adopt the South Galatian uh, theory, which is the really to me the only one that makes sense. Um, and uh, so he goes to these cities. He goes, we see like Lister, Iconium, Derby. Um, and so this is a regional letter. It's not just to a church in one city. Um, it's a letter that's supposed to be circulated amongst these cities. And uh, and so he's going to write this kind of short six-chapter letter, but it encapsulates um, 
his early teaching and not that his teaching right his late teaching is different but what he had to emphasize most early on and we see already just as i would say happened at the reformation and happens in most um areas of church history that false teaching um those who follow him go after what the most central of teachings and we see that after luther's death um, and we, we know Luther's fears of that, um, but we also see it here with Paul. Um, and so, Michael, you referenced um, Judaizers, and that's maybe a term we can explain because sometimes people hear that, and they almost maybe can think it's like a, a racist term or racial term or something like that. And what we need to recognize is, is Paul himself is a Jew, um, and many in the Galatian congregations were Jews. We're not talking about Jews ethnically. When we talk about Judaizing, what you have to think is Judaism. And what's Judaism? Judaism is uh, what remained of the Jewish religion that it did not um, confess Christ as Messiah. So the Old Testament ceremonial and civic and moral laws, um, people who abided in the ceremonial, not as much the civic because of Roman occupation, um, because they did not think the Messiah had yet come. That's going to become more challenging when the temple is destroyed. Um, and so uh, as it had already been practiced in the di di diaspora, kind of everywhere the synagogue is going to become the center of a Jewish religious life and the sacrificial system comes to an end. Um, but Judaizers then are those that were saying, now that even though Christ has come, there's still at least certain aspects of the Mosaic law that need to be followed. Some of that dietary, Paul talks about Peter withdrawing from the Gentiles in Galatians 2 to eat with the Jews. But especially, um, what would you guys say, what seems to be the big one? Well, for this particular... And we're going to warn parents. Uh, there's going to be, not a bad word, but kids may chuckle or ask just, what this, this means. This will be graphic. This is going to get... I'm just going to say it's going to get graphic. Are you saying that because you know I'm going to say Because something? I know both of us, and okay. it's going to get graphic. <laughs> and no, 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 no. I know Paul. I know the way Paul talks. Mm -hmm. He's very gritty. Mm -hmm. um, and the more you get into Paul, you, the more you go, he doesn't suffer any fools. And he's not uh, afraid to offend, and uh, he would not be popular today. Right. So we uh, we've warned you. Mm -hmm. It's up to you if you want to change the um, the podcast, or tell your kids earmuffs or whatever. <laughs> um, but what were you going to say, Michael? It, it, for the Galatians, it's circumcision. Yeah. So it, in first in, in Corinth, it is uh, more of an issue of dietary, right? right? Um, but for the Galatians, it's specifically circumcision. And by the way, the, the Judaizers thing, not only is it not ethnic, they wouldn't have thought about that way. It's right. about religion. But you're talking about not even uh, Judaism as in today separate from Christianity. You're talking about Christians right. who yeah. are, are trying to maintain um, maintain Old Testament law. Right. Yeah. Because I, someone could take issue with me, but I would say, right, there there is no... From a Christian perspective, there is no Judaism before Christ. There's just Christianity mm -hmm. that's fulfilled in Christ, mm -hmm. right? So um, that's obviously going to be a difference Christians and, and, and those who are practicing Judaism would have. Um, and, you know, is it, you know, just to clarify too, it's like they're, they're coming at this from the point of Jesus is good. We like Jesus, but it's Jesus... And, Jesus. and we can see why this is attractive to Luther. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus and 
all these other requirements of Old Testament law uh-huh. as far as Judah, Judaizing is concerned. And yeah, like you say, that is very much, you know, the situation that Luther finds himself in to Jesus and. Yeah. And building on that, um, so Paul is going to build up his argument getting to chapter 5 with lots of talk about the work of Christ. Um, if it's not all Christ, then it's right. Then it's nothing. Then there's no hope. The law can't save. There's sometimes debates when we're talking about Galatians. Should we be talking capital L law or some or small L law? Some will fault Luther. Will, will um, fault Luther for just applying um, capital capital L law would be kind of like the Old Testament ceremonial and civic, right? Um, but Luther is going to extrapolate this and apply it to all law, really, right? Um, especially in dealing with his Roman Catholic opponents, um, which I think is more than, than fair to do because um, right, this is just, the, he's using exclusionary, it's gospel or it's not. Um, but why, uh, Mike and, and Jason, you both mentioned these are, we would, they consider themselves Christians at least. Why would circumcision be such a sticking point? Well, we've all had to teach catechism class. And you talk circumcision, and they get super uncomfortable. Whatever. Um, why? I mean, it seems an odd thing to fight about. Um, any thoughts either of you have of of what a, a modern reader might not understand about all the implications involved in what seems to be a, a, a rather uh, silly thing? Well, I think if as much as we can put ourselves into the minds of um, an Old Testament. Uh, a believer, um, you are isolated in a lot of different ways. Your religion says that you are special people. Um, your culture, although there are certain dietary restrictions throughout the ancient world, there's forms of circumcision and mutilation and tattooing in, in, a, in different parts of the different religions. You really are different because you're not just, though we have our local deity or whatever, you're claiming that that, that there is Everybody kind of knows there's some universal something. There's got to be something, right? And you're claiming that the Jewish God is that something, right? I mean, you are distinct from everybody else. And then the history of Judaism to be, uh, at this point in the in the point of Paul's age, you're talking, um, let's say, about in the last 600 years, you've been independent for about 125 um, you are already having this mindset that that we we uh, if I think about the modern Jewish mindset, it was definitely um, an oppressed group of people because of our history. You already have that, right? To a certain extent, you already have this. Um, if you are then out in a land where you are uh, in a minority, religiously, culturally. You are always sort of, are we legal or not legal within the government that we're, we're, we're under? At best, you're second-class citizens. To take away something that defined you as not just a people but a religious people, that's not insignificant, right? And uh, when I teach this in the class, I actually go to the, to the, um, uh, to the, to the overall cultural, dietary, all this kind of stuff, and say, he, 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 uh, an immigrant family comes to the United States from you pick the country. The grandparents come over. Albania. Albania. <laughs> they speak 
uh, Albanian. They'll speak Albanian. They have Albanian food. They dress like they are Albanian. They don't like the Serbs. They they do not like the Serbs. Probably for decent reasons. Yeah. The uh, next generation is going to be bilingual, um, but they are going to um, hold on very dearly to the culture of the old world but they are going to be able to function as Americans. The grandchildren are going to know some of the language, know some of the culture, but they are going to be, by all accounts, American. Grandma and grandpa are going to be worried about them losing their culture in such a quick fashion. And they um, are, are going to try to double down on the food, the language, the culture, the holidays, all of these kinds of things, because they see it slipping away. And even sometimes some of their peers will do the same because that third generation, sometimes we see, um, right, they recognize they're missing something from the past and they'll, they'll yeah. be drawn. And they they'll see be, their yes. peers losing it and they'll, they'll advocate with their peers. Yeah. Re- and and sometimes, this is not always the case. I, this is more of an American scene because we've heard in, in other cultures, for instance, uh, bringing over Turks into Germany after World War II. Oh, it'll be three generations and then they'll be fully German, which did not happen uh, on, on, a, on a wholesale way. But anyway, that's for a different discussion. <laughs> but you can understand the impulse, even though it seems so silly, to you can't eat pork or... Are you telling me you didn't get the, your boy circumcised? Right? Um, we, I mean, we see this even with Christians who they haven't gone to church in several generations, but baptism. Kids are going to be baptized, right? Yeah. And, they're gonna, and the, the old generation is going to guilt a young generation for not being baptized. Um, you, you, this is very natural. Then add, I mean, some of the grotesque things to it of like being forced to eat pork when you didn't. You know what I mean? Right. This is not something that is that is beyond our comprehension, even in, in the modern American uh, scene. And, and, to, and the way I teach it is to debate, let's be a little bit sympathetic here to the people who are on the wrong side theologically, right? And then I think that led, leads up to Paul's conclusion where he says, there are some circumstances where you will bend over backwards for grandma. But when grandma insists that you're, you're going to hell because you ate bacon, now it's a theological question. Now you have to eat bacon. And then we talk about, you know, in Statue Confessionis and stuff like that. Um, and and to, see peop- to, to get the students to realize, okay, this is the moment it turns from just a cultural, awkward conversation to a theological question. Right. And uh, <clears throat> maybe to give a little bit of the background of circumcision then as well, because Paul is going to go to Abraham, right, chapters 3 and 4, as an example. He'll talk about um, Sarah and Hagar in chapter 4, but in chapter 3 already starting, and he does, once again, something similar with Romans. In fact, he's going to use the same um, verse from Habakkuk in both Galatians 3.11 and in Romans 1.17, Habakkuk 2.4, if I'm remembering correctly, the righteous shall live by faith. But he's also going to talk, as Paul does in Romans um, for, uh, hopefully I'm getting this right, about Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, that Abraham's call, the promise, came before circumcision. And so Abraham is the father, <coughs> excuse me, of all who believe. 
not not just those who were circumcised. But that being said, Abraham was given circumcision, and that circumcision was to be a reminder to every Jewish couple, earmuffs, right? Every time they were intimate, that the Messiah would come from the Jews. Um, the mark of the covenant yeah. was on that particular part of the body. Yep. Now, and here you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, although I was talking about this in lecture today, so I might have to apologize to the class if you think I'm terribly wrong. What the Judaizers did then is they took something that was a sign of the promise, and it became simply law, because the, the promise had been fulfilled, Christ had come, right? This was the purpose. Um, in Colossians, Paul will talk about as you're kind of holding on to the shadows mm -hmm. rather than the thing. <clears throat> but I don't think we do want to concede as Christians that circumcision was ever only or primarily law even, right? It was a sign of what was to come. And so Paul will we, connect circumcision with baptism in Colossians. We'll even talk about it as an Old Testament sacrament. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really hard to nail down exactly right the terms we should use because there was something to yeah. what it's conveying. Jason, I think you look like you had something to say. Yeah, I think, too, that, um, you know, it's kind of building on a couple of things that we've been saying. I think, you know, this was their um, mark of initiation into that covenant relationship, right, with with the Lord, that this 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 was what brought you into the people of God, you know, and that's how they how they looked at that and viewed that. So you'd see and, that that would be a very serious thing, right? And there's inheritance language in here. Yeah, you have yes. a legal right to the family estate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 you see how serious the Lord took that too. Where you know, I mean, there were a couple of times when people hadn't been circumcised, and He says, you know, you should die because oh, yes, yeah. you didn't do this. Um, but yeah, I think the and the other side, you know, I I think with that thing that marked the covenant with that thing that set them apart i think in some ways too it also would become you know if are you eating kosher at home or not i don't know i can't i, I can maybe ask the butcher if you well, i thought you were asking me no i i'm, I'm just I'm saying not, if yeah. if if i'm the judaizer police and say you know are you eating kosher at home you know or, or not um i don't know maybe you are maybe you're not maybe you're maybe you're just lying to me but at the same time, circumcision is a pretty easy thing, right? You know, not that you're walking around showing that off, but at the same time, you know, it's it's there I don't apologize and, to our listeners. and undeniable, right? You yeah. know, it's and it's a, a fairly simple and straightforward thing. Either you are or you're not. You are or you're not. And I uh, so what we, we or talk, talk about they like messed with, up and yeah, we talk <laughs> they about kind of are Timothy um, Moyles. Anyway. Um, like, why does Timothy get circumcised? This is a classic example. Timothy yeah. does that so to not. The point is, don't get in the way of the gospel. Yeah. Right? If you're going to make it a law, you get in the way of the gospel. But if you're going to be an offense, you're getting in the way of the gospel. And I always wondered, I'm like, why does Tif Timothy have to do that? Like, who's checking that? But <laughs> honestly, it would be, yeah. he's not going to lie if well, he's asked. And I think we forget, though, as well, in the ancient world, um, we're so, like, I don't know about you guys, but I was like the tail end of like you did sports and then you all just showered together. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and even in grade school, like that, and I mean, we all know the maturity of, of grade school boys, but like, I mean, this was just, you did that. Right. Um, if you're going to the bathroom in latrines or, or you right. know, not in, um, I have European friends who come to America and they just can't believe the gaps that our stalls have. Yeah. 
like this is very unsettling to them. Like the level of privacy we have around the body, even in our own families, right? That in the home, what we maintain, um, there was a lot more opportunities to see people naked in the ancient world. I guess I shouldn't say opportunities. There were... Um, it, was more, more, sound it was more commonplace and accepted. That's a better way of saying it, that, so I don't sound like a peeping Tom. Um, <clears throat> where this was, in a way, um, testimony to others that you might meet, where they would say, you know, um, what happened to you, right? It, um, so it wasn't maybe always as private a mark as we might think. Um, Privacy too. is a modern notion just in general. Mm-hmm. Right, which I'm a big fan of. Right. I mean, I would not want to be. Can you imagine, like, going to well, the public bathhouse? We taught and stuff, you know, you know I mean, and then that, not, not, afterwards, like, we just had group right. showers. Good job, not just, third floor. Yeah, yeah. Not, not just even modern, <laughs> but but Western, right? Like, the fact that I can have a conversation with my family, and the the expectation is that it's private. But when I live in a shack with paper thin walls next mm-hmm. to. You you know what the you yeah. literally know what the neighbors are going through. Much of the world today and much of human history yeah. is way more awkward than we sometimes appreciate. Pri- privacy is a very 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 modern Western thing. Um, just out of curiosity, Michael, um, if we did have just we all taught and then we had the group showers thing on the third floor, who do you think you would be more uncomfortable with, <laughs> Jason? And I think that I think <laughs> that if we got to that point, we would. Well, we would. There, it's kind of interesting because you think about. This has You're to giving do, this more thought than I expected. <laughs> this has to do with shame, right? A lot of this has right. to do with yeah. with shame, I and that agree. if we had less privacy, on one side of the coin, we would have less shame because we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Like we're all pretty much out of shape here. <laughs> like there's not going to be judging here. Like we're all just kind of you know. Um, but at the same time, those are the shame cultures, right? And so um, you are probably more worried about what people think about your appearance and about what you say because you are an open book. So I think it would change us for, for better or for worse. And I'm going to so, dodge the question. <laughs> okay. And then I would say, interestingly, on a flip side, um, and maybe this would be something to talk about as part of an episode down the road, but it's interesting to me that as you know, we, we tend to – um, as a culture, we can't stop talking about sex, right? It's become this just public confessional. And um, and we would say we live in a culture saturated by sex. It is interesting that perhaps people have never been so inhibited in general. Yeah. Um, about. I mean, I can't imagine my kids today in high school or, uh, you know, um, if they went back to we finished football practice. Okay. And, I mean, it's just... And you didn't think anything about it at the time. I mean, You're not even no. going to bother putting a towel around your waist. Right. right. In fact, that kid you probably thought was weird, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the super toweled up. Yep. Um, so I wonder, you know, it's interesting how that, I, well, I, I would guess a part of it comes from autonomy and consent. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. that this, this, uh, or anyways, let's not get well, lost on that. Yeah, okay. Well, we should, we should. Talk about Galatians 5. We, we should do that. We should also have an episode when we have the guts because we've talked about this quite a bit about. Uh, sex in America is, I mean, is actually a fascinating question. Like, mm-hmm. Why do we think about, why are we over sex and at the same time, probably why is it a good or a bad thing that young people are having less sex today than they, than they did in the, you know, late nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Why is that? The reason may not be as pure as you think it, it, it is. Anyway, right. back to Galatians. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many places I want to go. But um, <laughs> That's what the, I'm saying. Uh, this is, it, I mean, right. in, in a seriously honest yep. conversation. So, yep. So Paul has made a big point, though. Abraham's not saved by circumcision. Abraham's saved by faith. Circumcision is a sign of that. And then he tells the story of Sarah and Hagar and these two sons. And Sarah tries to tell Abraham, let's help God's promise along. Have a child with Hagar. This will be the, the one who's, you know, the line will continue. So we have the capital S seed, the offspring, Christ, who will come, the Messiah. And uh, turns out that wasn't a good idea. And then Abraham gets mad, or uh, Sarah gets mad at Abraham for having taken her advice. And um, Ishmael's kind of picking on his younger brother, which happens. I'm an older brother, I'm sure. There's plenty of times I was a I was an Ishmael. And so uh, Sarah's going to say, send off Hagar and Ishmael. And Abraham will send them off. And God's like, but don't worry, I'll provide. So he's not like abandoning them. But Isaac will be, the, pr- the promise comes through promise. And in many ways to me, one of the main les- lessons of the Old Testament is that story after story, of people trying to help God's promise along. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't stop with the new because a lot of churches feel they need to help God's promise along um, just in different ways than maybe in the in the past. And a lot of preachers, including myself sometimes, feel I need to help God's people, God's promise along. Um, and so we live in promise. And if we live in promise, the only way to relate to promise is through faith. Now, right, Maybe when you were a kid, your parents said to you, if you get good grades, we'll do this. Let's say they said, okay, we'll take you out for custard. That's a good Wisconsin illustration, right? Yep. And so you got your good grades, and you maybe reminded your parents, remember when you said you'd take me to custard? You're not helping the promise along. You're praying. This is what the Lord's Prayer is. God gives us, Jesus gives us commands to hold God to his promise. You're Holding doing a pious, the promise up to them. Yeah, you're doing a very pious thing. You're telling your parents, I believe you'll keep your word. Right, um, And so um, promises are only received through faith. And Paul gets to Galatians 5 then, and he the theme before this has really been justification. And now he's going to introduce a new word, and we've done enough episodes on how Americans get this word wrong, so let's not get on our bully pulpit. Mike, do you agree? Okay, I won't. Jason, I don't think you really have gotten on the bully pulpit on this yet, but we both have a fair amount. But Paul says, and now the beginning of the chapter is somewhat arbitrary. This is added later, but this is a transition point. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And here I, I would say we have bondage of the, the will language. What is a yoke? A yoke is how a smaller animal gets a bigger animal to go the way it should go. Um, <clears throat> this yoke of slavery is to be driven by the devil in the flesh. And he'll close the chapter by talking about flesh and spirit, either one of two things is producing works through you, right? You, you have a vocation from one of two sources. And, and can you explain flesh and spirit? Because those are shorthand for our listeners. Yeah. So give me a second to get yep. there, though, if that's all right. Yep. Um, so you're, you're going to either have freedom or slavery. Now, yes, let's just note, um, <clears throat> Paul elsewhere does talk about slavery to Christ. Um but this is a, a free slavery, if that makes sense. So that, that would be another good episode. Right. It's, it's, it's dissimilar. You, either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. Right. There's no middle ground. But no one's not a slave. And this is um, very hard for modern Americans to hear. 
no one is completely free from externals, right? There's always outside influencing forces. And the ancients were better at this. I mean, you read Homer and it's right, what rage has inhabited you? <laughs> um, as it begins with Agamemnon and Achilles, Achilles fighting over a girl. Um, we just, and that's what passion meant in the ancient world, right? Something overtakes you. Um, so Paul then says, look, I say to you, I, Paul, who's been giving his, defending his apostleship earlier, that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you accept circumcision, you're now obligated to the whole law. You've put yourself in a system it's of It's not law. Old Country Buffet. You know, <laughs> do you remember our friend who used to make himself throw mm -hmm. up at Old Country? Mm -hmm. You know which one I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Mm -hmm. We won't mention it on the, the podcast, but... Um, to get his money's worth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, uh, but um, the, uh, so it's, it's circumcision is, is removing you from Christ, Paul is going to basically say. How, how, can, how can whether or not someone has a foreskin remove them from Christ or nullify the, the gospel? Oh, how can, or eating meat on Fridays or having a beer or um, dancing, or political party you belong to. How can these things, which hopefully we should all say are not the biggest things in the world, how can they do the most serious thing in the world and, 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 and you know, as, as, as Paul will separate put it, you from to God. separate you from God, how can this be? I, 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 the way that it's very helpful to me is... To, is, is I, as you've already said, Galatians follows the pattern of Romans and the first part of Romans with the, with the argument. Like, you know, he even goes to the same example, right? Righteous, you're righteous by faith. And by the way, I'm not just making it this up. Jewish listeners, Abraham was righteous by faith, or in this case, the circumcision thing. Which, by the way, is a great passage to go to regarding what we would talk about as racism today, for yeah. instance. Yeah. So <clears throat> the way I think about it, and when I read, for instance, Galatians chapter 4, and have the allegory of Sarah um, and, and it Hagar. It couldn't have been allegory, Michael. Um, the Bible doesn't contain allegory. Uh, I love the line when of... When senses simplex is at the Latin. I don't know what allegory means. All I know is that uh, what you do is allegory and what I do is apply the text. The allegory of Paul <laughs> in here of Hagar and uh, Sarah, or if you want, Isaac and Ishmael, really is you could see that as the two kinds of righteousness or the theology of glory versus the theology of the cross. And I think it's very helpful to say there's two systems. A system of righteousness by faith is that Jesus is righteous for you and gives it to you, and you say, that's a really freaking good deal. Passive righteousness. If you say, as St. Paul say, well, in, Roman, in uh, Galatians 2, if you say to Jesus on the cross, thanks but no thanks, Jesus died for nothing then, if you reject that, then you have put yourself into a righteousness by law. And as if you said, even if it's just about circumcision, even if it's just about alcohol, even if it's just Harry about Potter. whatever it is. You got one, Jason? I'm it's good. Stuff that people have said somehow is, is the devil. <laughs> yes. There, yeah. there Harry Potter was one for a while. Was it? Yoga? Yeah, yeah yoga, yoga, yoga. Yoga. You, Reiki. Um, Video games. As you said, you are then obligated to the whole thing because you have put yourself you have put yourself before the judge and you have said, judge me for who I am. Judge me according not to faith and a righteousness through Christ, but according to my 
uh, my uh, standard of, or I should say, how I've done against the law. Um, and to observe is to say, I'm going to serve under this thing towards a goal, in this case, salvation. And then finally, St. Paul's going to be like, do you understand that you're putting yourself back into this prison? Why are you giving up your freedom? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is it, uh, you know, that idea of the yoke again? I mean, you talk about how it's a smaller animal controlling a larger animal, but it's also inseparably linking two together, <laughs> yep. right? Yep. And I think that idea of, you know, you're, it's faith or works, you know, it is Christ or the law. And, you know, this, it, by whatever that one thing is, whether it's circumcision or whatever else it is, you know, you, you can either be yoked to Christ through faith, or you're going to be yoked to the law through works. For salvation. For salvation. And you cannot, it, they are mutually exclusive, right? You cannot be yoked to both at the same time. It's one or the other. And there's never a, a time where you can be, when you can be hitched to both of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's why that's such a big deal is that it's, you get a, it's drawn and quartered, right? Isn't that what yeah, they, yeah. I mean, you literally, where they be pulled apart. Yeah. They yep. hitch up to the horses and yep. get pulled different ways with your limbs is what it. Yeah. And you know, so that, that idea of saying, you know, you can't, say, well, I kind of like to hang on to this side, but I also want that side because, <laughs> you know, they, they're not, they, they don't work together. You yeah. know, it's. And, and the temptation, I think, as you're getting it, is to pick certain aspects of the law that we find doable or that mm-hmm. we like or that we feel serve as, a, as Mike got to earlier, um, part of our identity, right? Um it is fine if you want to eat kosher. It is fine if you want to be circumcised. Um, it is fine if you don't want to have meat and Lent. When you make it part of your standing before God, that's when mm-hmm. you can't be yoked to the two, and that's when it becomes problematic. Um, and so that's one aspect of losing your freedom. Um, the second aspect of losing your freedom, Paul then says in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If the first way of losing your freedom is in legalism, right, I'm going to look to the law for salvation. The second way is, um, from. so let's say the first is losing sight of Christ. The second, I would argue, is losing sight of neighbor. Um, that when I use my freedom now as an opportunity to indulge the flesh, Paul, if you think, Wade's making that up, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as your as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, and here, I think people take bite and devour simply to mean you have disagreements. No, it, you're becoming a consumer of your neighbor. You're using them towards some end, right? Um, so you're about biting and devouring one another as you would a Big Mac or, or a Whopper. Um, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Um, and so there is a, f- you can also lose your freedom, um, I guess what we would call licentiousness, if we're going to use a Deutschlanderism, right, there's two ways to fall into the ditch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, can I maybe riff a little bit on the idea of... And I don't only think you can, but I think you should, Mike. Uh, use, <laughs> uh, using a person and devouring somebody, um, th- this is not necessarily outwardly negative and violent. Um, if, if I look at my students and I say... 
I have to teach these idiotic freshmen in order to get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. I have used them. Mm-hmm. And if I use Wait somebody, that's bad. if I use somebody, um, then I have misused them and ultimately I've abused them. Or even if I, if I'm, if I, if I do a good work so that I can feel better about myself, mm-hmm. I help the little old lady across the street so I can get my merit badge, not because I actually care about her. Well, I've used her for my own, you know, I mean, it can be in the, in the, uh, Did the pioneers give badges for stuff. Like I, don't that? Know, I was never, yeah. I was a boy scout yeah. in the theology. <laughs> it's theology of glory cross language here. What looks outwardly good actually may be evil. Right. Yeah. I, I think this would be an example of that. And that's why I think when I read Galatians, especially coming out of chapter four, I, it's very helpful to be in the back of my mind to have the two kinds of righteousness, but then also the, the, the Heidelberg in back of my mind, cause it helps me. Yeah. solidify some of these things. And and both of these, we'll get to at the end. And this episode is going to go long, but that's because I took long with the intro. But I, I, I like what we're doing. Both mess up vocation in the sense of the first doesn't recognize that that, that God is using me, right? I, that I am, I can be so confident of my standing before God. And he is so good. He not only gives me salvation, but now he... he uses me he, I'm a, I am a channel of his love for others um, so it it loses sight of God as the beginner of vocation right that that the vocatio the calling election or justification is the beginning the second licentiousness loses sight of the end of justification um, which is God it's not like there's a dam and, and God's love then comes up against the Hoover dam and it's all welled up just for me um, the dam Burst forth, and that love then spills over into others. And so he's going to get to works of the flesh and works of the spirit. And so um, here we can talk flesh and spirit. Let me just give the works then. Um, and this is, I always get nervous with this because we, we love lists in the Bible. So don't listen to this and think, okay, these are all the things I'm going to do today. I'm not saying not to do them, but <laughs> but like listing them out and then thinking like you're going to artificially create the situations is precisely runs counter to what Paul. Although saying. pastorally, in a, in a situation, somebody who is who is obsessive about this law or whatever, we may actually say, "I don't want you to try to do that." Right? That mm-hmm. that good. I don't want you to to do that. So anyway. Okay. So, um, this reminds me, by the way, and just earmuff <laughs> briefly for the kids. Um. When we do our sex episode, um, one of the things I've been hitting on in class again is we sometimes think the ancients would like blush if they were alive today and they could see like yeah, all the sexual. This is no. the opposite of the truth. And so one of the things I'm going to mention in here, kids should have earmuffs, but I know kids like to do this thing. What am I doing, Jason? You're pretending to put an earmuff on. Right. Um, so uh, like I never in my once in my ministry have had to preach about a orgies. Right? Have you guys? No, no I never. But that's going to come up in this list and elsewhere. So lest we think like the ancients just somehow were, you know, they they would be today. They'd be like, oh, we cannot imagine people are interested in this stuff. I, I was just bringing this up in class today because I was talking about um, uh, sponsors of the early uh, of an early catechumenate. It was probably more like an AA sponsor than it was a godparent today. <laughs> like you call up your your sponsor and you're like <laughs> you're like. Um, so I got invited to another orgy, and then your sponsor's Michael, like, say, "Don't do it." We say orgy. or like, or like, <laughs> or like, uh, 
you call up your sponsor, you're like, I really want to go to the temple prostitute. And right. you're like, no, you really shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And my point was that. It, but you probably go to their house or like send a messenger. <laughs> yeah. The point was that leaving a pagan worldview for Christianity mm-hmm. in, in the very early part of the church was somewhat completely different than your atheist friend who's living in a Judeo-Christian worldview, even if he doesn't want to admit it. Like, yeah, okay, Christianity and my lifestyle is not that that different. We still are nice to our neighbors, and we don't leave our children on the rocks when we don't want them, you know, our infants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a completely different yeah. world. This is also, just as a side note, like, sometimes when people today are tempted to be like, oh, you know... Um, we have to compete with everything else out there to make worship less boring for people. So we got to be more like whatever. Like the whole point of Christian worship was partly intentionally less boring than pagan worship. Like if you, I mean, there were no temple prostitutes and there was no like bacchanalian, like, you know, drunkenness. Um, we're not, we, we are we are purposely not going to sacrifice always, a yeah, child. We always blame this stuff on the Germans. Like our 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 service is so reserved and it's just laid back because of the Germans, which is I never understood why the Germans get brain flushed because if anybody's like ever kind of lost control of themselves once or twice, it was the or Germans. Over, the, I mean, to be serious, over the top emotional language, right? Yeah. So like this is there's always been a and and Paul addresses this with with order in, in, in the letter of the Corinthians and in, in, in talking with the Romans. Um, so, anyways. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to whisper that word when we get to it. I'm going to whisper a couple words. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. I hope your kid doesn't have too good of a vocabulary. I would have whispered that one. <laughs> Idolatry, sorcery. Um, let's give a shout out to our friend El Hechasiro. You know who you are. We miss you. We love you. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So he says this is the fruits of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, I love this, against such things there is no law. So let's take first, Michael, you wanted to mention it before. Why flesh or spirit, but why flesh especially? Well, what are you asking, like, to define that? Does this mean the body's bad? Like, these are bodily sins? So flesh, uh, especially... St. Paul does this sometimes. John probably does it more consistently, mm-hmm. maybe. That when we That's who Zwingli loved to use. Use flesh, <laughs> it's shorthand. And more and more, I like try to tell my students, I'm like, there's a lot of shorthands in the Bible, just so you know. When we say flesh in this context, we don't mean just the physical body. We mean the sinful nature. Because there would be a word for body they could have used, yeah. And... When we say spirit, we don't mean kind of a Gnostic, the body's bad, but the spirit is automatically good, right? This is the danger of Gnosticism, by the way. It's just, it's not so much like, oh, I'm anti-body, but it's to think that the spirit is automatically pure. Right. Like the, mm-hmm. like what I feel is automatically correct. See, notice today, like, I feel like I am a, and I want to identify with somebody. And because it's my inner self, it's automatically correct. No, it's just as sinful as the sinful flesh. So what we mean by spirit is somebody who is now made Capital righteous. S spirit, just so if you don't have the text in front of you. This is the person who has been 
uh, brought to faith by the capital S spirit and now lives as a new creation baptized into Christ. It's really old versus new. So it's it's the the yoke is, is the old Adam is the devil and the, um, and think flesh, right. As opposed to body, body, right. That, which is just, it's a sign for that, which is subject to corruption in this world. Adam and Eve are now subject to death after the fall. We get old, we get wrinkled, which is why we're glad there's not the third floor done teaching for the day. We situation. do have a shower up here, right. by the way. Yeah, this, which is why I keep bringing it up. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, so who who has who? who That's why we, they put that sign up there. Don't right. use the shower. Yeah. Who are, to whom are we yoked? And um, you'll notice the works of the flesh. It's all sucking in the world. Um, I am the sun. <clears throat> And everything rotates around me. And if things are not going how I want, there's going to be dissension. If you're getting something I'm not, there's going to be jealousy or envy. I am the center of the universe. It's inward turned. It's as Augustine would say, right? Curvatus and say, um, turned in on itself. And the fruits of the Spirit, because we have been turned out of ourselves to see Christ. And when we're turned out of ourselves to see Christ, in the Logos, in Christ, we now see, and here's Matthew 25, sheep and the goats. We now see neighbor. But we not only see neighbor, but when we look out of ourselves and we see Christ who Paul says he portrayed as crucified, and we see those loving, good arms and hands outspread, we remember that same Christ is the giver of all things. And so we not only see neighbor, but we see the world given back to us, not as a thing to be turned into uh, innumerable idols, but to be received as gift. And so the fruits of the Spirit are um, neighbor-focused. They are outward-turned. Um, and notice with that, um, it's a product of inward peace. Whereas the fruits of the flesh in an attempt to find inward peace only exacerbates the lack of it, right? It's like scratching an itch and then it only itches more. I don't know if you, did you guys, you probably had chicken pox. I had chicken pox, right? Oh, wait. Never did. I think we talked about this. You've got to get your shingles vaccine, dude. Because I heard you get shingles real bad if you never got chicken pox. Oh, I think it's... You didn't just get taken over, like, to get chicken pox? Yeah. Did your parents my, like that? Like, you you know... Oh, my! I think my, my mother made me... It was with either me or one of our siblings, one of my siblings, purposely go play with a kid Yeah, like, that was, that was a thing. Like, like go... My whole class got it. My brother got it. You're just immune. Maybe you're the Maybe. chosen one. I might be. In a non-theological sense. I thought it was because now you don't, like, you're less susceptible for shingles. That's what I was yeah, thinking, too. But I think oh, I thought you are supposed to get shingles worse. No, I think it's because if you had small, or smallpox, if you had <laughs> if you had chickenpox, then you have the virus in you that then causes shingles. Yes. Do you know you can get, uh, we, we, you also get vaccinated for pneumonia? Amanda just got vaccinated for pneumonia. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that as an asthmatic. So, yeah, if you're compromised. Um, Tell me not to bring up what Pastor Borland sent to us yesterday at this point, by the way. I don't remember what he sent. The, uh, about our state senator. and. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah? Don't bring that up. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> they should get the vaccine whether or not they recall. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We'll, we'll look more into that later. <laughs> um, the... Uh, now I don't remember what I was doing. Oh, the itching, the itch. Yeah, so we got to wrap this up, Mike. Yeah. But the itching, the itch. Um, right, the, the the works of the flesh is trying to turn that in. Okay, Jason or Mike, how is any of this pastoral? 
I, I think there's a lot of times when you want to sit somebody down, and, and I know I have, and said, listen, you, you let me speak the gospel to you and stop trying to, to talk yourself out of the gospel and stop trying to say, well, I wasn't truly prepared for Holy Communion or um, I'm harboring this or I need to, uh, to, to work through the, the Bible in one year or I needed to. And I'm like, why are you putting laws upon yourself when you have been free? For your worth, yeah. And, and sometimes you have to say, I mean, man, you know what? You're kind of abusing people here by, by making it all about yourself. Now, I will only say that in a certain circumstances. Usually I want to say, hey, you're just, you know, why are you doing this? Our students do this, right? Um, they are more concerned about their grades than learning. You free yourself from worrying about grades you actually learn. Now, yeah. got to be careful to say that because most of them, this is the proper distinguish between law and gospel because most of them need the law and not the gospel at that time. <laughs> but there are times, I'll tell you one student, she's gone, so I'm not breaking any. Uh, um, Don't say her name. I won't. Um, you could tell that she was burdened by her father and she had to get perfect or mother, grades. Or mother. Parent. Or guardian. Yeah. And at one she point, or he. he or she or it, uh, they, it was they, I think it was a they, um, had one small assignment that they had to uh, turn in that they had not turned in, and it would have been like there's no way that would affect the final grade. And uh, he, she, or, it, or they said to to me, I, uh, you know what, I'm not going to do it. And um, I said to he, she, it, or they, proud of you. Proud of you. Because I think that was... It was her way of finally realizing that, that that was a prison of her own making. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, we live in a, a day and age when many turn to the church because they simply just want to be told what to do, how to be good, how to get it done. Um, and Paul reminds us the way to do good works is to stop doing Right to yeah. receive God's grace, to remember who you are, um, to live free, and in that way actually be of benefit to your to your neighbor. Um, Paul is forthright. He doesn't pull punches. He recognizes what they need to hear, um, but he makes plain um, where using the law as a, as a means for salvation leads to, and that you don't want to be there and that you actually aren't going to be able to serve your your neighbor well if that's what you're doing. And so when he gets to that, against such things there is no law when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit, he's kind of reminding us um, this is to be able to act simply in the joy of the gospel and for the good of others um, without having to worry about how many points you score, if you do it well enough. I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes can almost get paralyzed by the fear of not doing something well, right? Yeah. Um, am I going to teach this class just right? Or when I was younger, you know, if I play this, am I going to be good enough at it or whatever? And and Paul saying, this is freedom from that paralysis because your value, your worth, your identity, your salvation, it's all taken care of. And so now I can even serve my neighbor and, and, and in ways I might not be totally comfortable with or think I'm the best at, I can just know that who I am in Christ is secure and I can be who I can be for my neighbor as best as possible. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, just kind of going back to the pastoral thing, I think there is one instance that jumps out to me where just how, you know, alluring that um, temptation of law is and that burden of law is. I had the opportunity um, to visit a lady in the hospital who was nearing her deathbed and she was really worried. And this is a woman that was in church every week, you know, very faithful, um, you know, had visited at home when she was sick or in the hospital when she was, you know, she had, and she was a lifelong Lutheran and she was closing in on 90, I think at the time. And she says, when I go to visit, I'm really worried because I just don't know if I've done enough. I just don't know if I've, if I've been good enough. And at first just like, oh, you know, how, what, what have I been doing this whole time if this didn't, <laughs> you know, right. if this didn't come across. But then at the same time you stop and say, boy, what a, what a, what an incredible opportunity you have yeah. to redirect someone back to that freedom that is theirs in Christ and, and how challenging it is, even for people who have been immersed in that their entire life, um, that pull of law and that, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a, a hard thing. And, and to be able to, again, you know, point people back to Christ and away from themselves, that's, that's what it's all about, I think, with that. And, so. I, and I think the temptation in my own ministry um, as preachers or as pastors, when things are maybe more challenging, um, to forget that the law is not ultimate. Mm-hmm. It's only penultimate. Um, and when we are wrestling with sin in our congregation or with um, or with um, just in general uh, the brokenness of people, the temptation, at least in my own preaching, sometimes could be to fall back on the law to do things it can't do or to want it to do what it can do but will actually do more harm. You know, okay, let's fix this behavior. Well, fixing this behavior without um, saving the soul is very dangerous. Um, and, and so a reminder. I think it's one of those things, I mean, throughout church history too, it's like when, when people become too focused on morality, mm-hmm. you, you know bad things are coming. You know, it, it, we don't know which, which way it's going to go bad exactly, but bad things are coming, it yep. seems. The works that are done out of fear or threats or whatever. Yep. Um, to remember as a, as a preacher or pastor, God doesn't want those. He wants what he talks about here is the fruits of the Spirit. And, uh, and so hopefully a helpful chapter. We went long, but we had a lot in us. Um, we're going to record a second episode, which hopefully will, will be a little bit shorter. Um, but Mike, as we wrap up, why don't you uh, send us off? Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, This is really great that we're back on um, and we're back recording here, uh, Jason and Wade and I. We hope that uh, this little uh, episode about Galatians kind of resets us as we go forward and that we are going forward with this idea of gospel freedom. We are set free. So go live free, friends. Don't let us get in the way.
sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drink. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. I set them up another round. One more round won't get me down. I'm not drunk, I'm just drinking. I said, I'm not around.